You are Locked On Timberwolves, your daily Minnesota Timberwolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. My name is Ben Beacon. I'm the host of Locked On Wolves. I'm also the co-editor of Dunking With Wolves, the Timberwolves site on the fan-sided network. Today's episode of Locked on Wolves is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com and use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. All right, um, happy Monday and happy Victory Monday for the Minnesota Timberwolves. This is, um, I mean, the Wolves beat the Blazers on Sunday. So uh, back-to-back games against Portland at Target Center Saturday, Sunday. They lost by four on Saturday in a close, hard-fought game. They pulled out a two-point win on Sunday And this is the first time all year that the Wolves have had two wins, or I should say the first time since um, the opening week of the season when they won a Wednesday game and a Saturday game, of course, down in Utah to go 2-0 on the season. The first time since that point, late December, that the Wolves have won two games in the span of less than a week. The next closest has been eight days. Back in late January, they beat New Orleans, and then eight days later, they beat Cleveland. And other than that, no two wins have been closer than eight days since late December, and I am ecstatic to be able to do two victory postgame podcasts in the span of just a few days. So today's pod is all about the the win. It's about uh, the improved defense in this game. It's about some of the disjointed offense early, but really mostly Anthony Edwards and how outstanding he was, especially in the second half of this game. Also rotations, lineups, all that stuff was really interesting in this game. Uh, no Jaden McDaniels. He was out due to health and safety protocols. Don't know much else about that other than he wasn't available. Um, of course, Jordan McLaughlin's been out since the All-Star break for the same reasons. Um, so, I, I mean, lots to talk about on today's pod. So that we'll get to all that here in just a second. As always, though, I want to remind you that if you are not already subscribed to Locked on Wolves, you can subscribe anywhere you get podcasts. That includes, of course, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and also Spotify. You can also follow on Twitter at Locked on T-Wolves. It's at Locked on T-Wolves, don't forget the T, and at B-Beacon. It's B-Beacon, two B's, two E's, C-K-E-N. All right, as always, let's talk game flow, just kind of how the game went overall, and then get into some key takeaways from this game, which again, a lot of it, a lot of it is Anthony Edwards, and then also rotation, some of the stuff that Chris Finch did. And then finally, we'll do individual studs and duds, as we always do. So this game was really sloppy early um, from on both sides of the floor. Nobody scored for the first two minutes. Uh, Over the first four minutes of the game, Portland and Minnesota were combined two of 15 from the field, committed four turnovers, three of them by the Timberwolves. It was just really ugly. Um, The Wolves ended up outscoring the Blazers 24-20 in the first quarter, but again, not pretty in any way, shape, or form. The Wolves missed a bunch of free throws early in the game. Um, And then in the second quarter, it was missed layups. Uh, missed free throws, missed layups throughout the first half for the Timberwolves. The Blazers outscored the Wolves in the second quarter and took a two-point lead at halftime. Um, The Wolves tried to play a little bit of zone defense in the second quarter, and it mostly worked. I mean, Portland wasn't making anything from the outside. The Wolves uh, actually outscored the Blazers in the paint by quite a bit in the first half. I think by 10 points it was. Um, But they still missed a bunch of layups, and it was everybody. It was Anthony Edwards. It was Ricky Rubio. It was... Juancho Hernan Gomez, who is the primary backup four off the bench for the Wolves, actually played a lot of three. We'll get into that here in a little bit. Um, Towns missed a couple, just just blown layups and missed opportunities at the rim for the Wolves and then also missed free throws. By the time, by, by halftime, both teams were shooting five of 18 outside the arc. So not good, but at least both teams were not good from, from three-point range. The Wolves were four of 11 shooting free throws at halftime. Just 
awful. I mean, what, what is that? That's like 30, it's like less than 40%. Um, and then thankfully we're much better in the second half. We'll get to that here in a minute, but that's what was killing the wolves. That's why they were down by only two at halftime. And they would have had a lead had they made, you know, had they shot 50% from the line, they would have been, they would have had a lead in the game or at least been tied, I guess. Um, and then the third quarter was a lot like it was on Saturday night. The Wolves uh, dominates probably a strong word. They only won the third quarter by six points, but they certainly outplayed the Blazers in the third quarter. And Anthony Edwards really started to assert himself. Towns had some issues um, operating as he was getting double teamed consistently throughout this game as he was on Saturday. He only had five shot attempts like halfway through the third quarter, got a little more involved as as the second half wore on, but turnovers were an issue for him all night. We'll talk more about that later as well, but he had seven turnovers on the night, got into a little bit of foul trouble as well, um, and just wasn't the Wolves tried to make him the focal point and Portland was solely focused on taking Towns out of the game offensively as much as possible. And yeah, Cat did have eight assists, but he had the seven turnovers um, and he committed four fouls up at least one of which, if not two, were offensive fouls. Um, so the the Blazers' defensive game plan was almost executed to perfection, but what they didn't account for was that Anthony Edwards, um, you know, one out of every, what, four or five games we're seeing now where he just, he just goes off. He decides he's going to get to the basket, and he does, and he has success doing it. And then all of a sudden he gets hot from outside the arc and he's com- and he's always confident to shoot threes, but he's actually making threes with confidence. Um, it was actually in the third quarter when Edwards went down, he went to the rim, took contact, kind of an elbow to the hip uh, midsection area on the side of Anthony Edwards and went down in a heap. It actually looked initially, I thought it was, a, you know, I was, I even hate to say this, it looked like a knee or maybe like an Achilles or, or an ankle or something because he landed on his leg or on his left leg, one-legged kind of, and um, and immediately just kind of went down in a heap. Didn't get back up. The Wolves committed a foul to to stop play so they could come down and check on him. He went over to the bench. I don't think he ever went back to the locker room and didn't come back until a few minutes, almost halfway through the fourth quarter. So he missed probably 10 minutes of, of real game time, pretty close to it, um, before coming back. And it really did appear, he kept holding his side. So it appeared like it was some sort of, maybe the wind knocked out of him, maybe a a rib contusion, something like that. But he got back into the game and he... um, and he played extremely well after he came back, after going down with this injury. There was also a scary moment in the third quarter when, when Towns went to the basket and it was fouled, landed hard on his left wrist, um, and left wrist hit the floor before anything else, left hand did as he braced himself, which of course is the same wrist that he he had dislocated earlier this season. He then missed both free throws after, after a brief delay um, when they were checking to see if it was a flagrant foul, which it wasn't. Cat only shot two of six from the free throw line in this game, and, and those were two of his misses. So a couple of really, really scary injury scares in the third quarter to the Wolves' two best players and two best scorers. Um, and then the fourth quarter was was fantastic. I mean, for as bad as the offense was in the first quarter, it was really good for both teams in the fourth. Um, and Portland really was just kind of, this was, it was the Damian Lillard show after on Saturday, it was a lot of Carmelo Anthony Melo just wasn't as good in this game and the Wolves were trying to make him do things and it ended up being Lillard who of course did what he always does and tried to take over the game in the fourth quarter. Um, the Wolves put Josh Okogie on and made his life miserable uh, for the game and Okogie didn't guard him the whole game obviously. Okogie didn't start but um, Josh ended up playing 24 minutes in this game and Lillard had four assists to five turnovers. He did have 38 points on just 21 shots. He was awesome outside the arc, awesome at the free throw line especially in the second half but 
the cre- the shot creation or or the creation for others, I should say that that for Dame just wasn't there, and Akogi really pestered him. I mean, he had one straight steal where he just picked his pocket, and then um, and then the ball got away, and and Lillard ended up recovering it, and Portland had to call a timeout. Um, that was down the stretch in the fourth quarter, three four minutes left. And Akogi, uh, he drew uh, actually Rubio drew an offensive foul foul on on Lillard at one point. Damian Lillard ended up committing five fouls on the night in addition to his five turnovers. So Minnesota did a fairly good job. Obviously, he scored thirty eight, but nobody else on the Blazers really consistently hurt them. Um, and and Lillard kept Portland in the game down the stretch, but the Wolves dictated terms in this one. Um, after a game in which, and this is one of my main takeaways, we'll get to here next segment. But after Saturday's game, when the Blazers I mean, the Wolves felt they had to play small because Robert Covington was playing center down the stretch. The Blazers did a little bit of that again in this game, but the Wolves just decided to roll with Carl Anthony Towns and Nas Reed at the same time. And at times, Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three. And that's the opposite of what we would see from Ryan Saunders as head coach. The Wolves just decided, hey, this is who we think our best lineup is. You guys have to figure out how to match up. We'll be all right. And the Wolves were able to score consistently enough and get enough stops. And the other benefit to playing the big lineup is that they won the battle on the glass again. Um, They won it by 22 or 23 boards on Saturday. They won it only by three boards in this game, but it's because they weren't offensive rebounding quite as well as they did Saturday. Defensive rebounding, they were plus seven over the Blazers, and they were just shutting down any potential second chance opportunities, and that was massive down the stretch. Um, As the game closed out, the Wolves held a, a couple possession lead, and things got pretty dicey in the final couple of minutes. Um, the Wolves went up by seven, or they had a seven-point lead with, actually they had a 10-point lead with just under three minutes left. Lillard made a three, and then Akogi made one of two free throws. The Blazers came down, got a three-point play from Robert Covington. It's a five-point game with two minutes left. And there's a bit of a back and forth. Ultimately, uh, each team scores, makes a couple of free throws, minute and a half left. Wolves come down up five. Edwards misses a three. Not a bad shot, but he misses it. Blazers come back down. Covington, kind of in a, in a secondary break, takes Carl Anthony Towns to the rim, and Towns is called for foul. And live, I thought, okay, I can see how this was a foul. But immediately, Ricky Rubio, and, and well, Towns always thinks that he doesn't commit a foul, but Rubio also signaled immediately, we should review this. They do, and and on the replay, I actually 100% agree with overturning the call. I mean, I, I don't think Towns follow, followed Covington at all when they blew the whistle. You could have initially called him for um, for a blocking follow-up on the perimeter, but when the whistle blew, Towns was not following Covington. Covington had an elbow in Towns' neck, and they did overturn the call, call an offensive foul, gave the Wolves the ball. So the Wolves come down. Now there's a minute six left, still up five. Jalen Noel misses a three, wide open three. Blazers get the rebound, come down the court, and... Um, after a miss, after a miss, the Blazers did get one offensive rebound, which they didn't do a lot of in this game, especially not in the fourth quarter. And then Josh Okogie's called for a foul on Gary Trent Jr. shooting a three. It it was a really borderline call, but obviously Josh needs to not get that close to fouling anyway in the final minute. So up five, he fouls Trent Jr. on the three with 40 seconds left. He makes all three free throws. Now it's a two-point game. Now on the other end, Rubio drives to the basket. Lillard slides down, takes a charge. The Wolves request that the officials decide to review it to see whether or not Lillard was in the restricted area. Apparently, and I didn't know this, but apparently the refs can then evaluate whether or not this was the correct block charge call, period, even though it's not a Wolves challenge. They had just used their challenge. But the officials, if they think there's any question that he was in the restricted area, have the right to go look at that and also change that call based on whether or not he was you know, in, in a legal guarding position. It's kind of silly because we saw this on Saturday night's game. 
When Edwards was fouled going to the basket, they called the ball out of bounds off the Blazers. Portland challenged and they reversed it, called it out of bounds off Edwards. And clearly he was being fouled, but you're not allowed to retroactively add a defensive foul. In this scenario, apparently you can evaluate all aspects of the block charge call. And so they called the the blocking foul on Lillard. They overturn it. Uh, Rubio gets two free throws instead of Portland getting the ball. So Portland would have had the ball down two with 30 seconds left. Instead, the Wolves get two free throws from Rubio. Now Portland gets the ball up four, or excuse me, down four with 30 seconds left. Um, the Blazers don't score. Wolves come down, get a couple of free throws from Rubio. Lillard makes a couple of free throws on the other end. They go back and forth, or actually, excuse me, Lillard actually ends up with three free throws. They call a, a foul on a three-point attempt on Rubio, which was also a little bit questionable. Um, Lillard makes all three. So there still was a little bit of intrigue in the final 10 seconds, but Rubio made another pair. He actually ended up going eight for eight in the final minute on free throw attempts. And it was a five point game. Covington hit a meaningless three pointer at the buzzer to make it a two point margin when it was all said and done, but it was really a five point game up until that, that final three. Um, so clutch play from the wolves, clutch um, replay reviews that both went the wolves way, which hasn't happened hardly at all this year. And, um, clutch free throw shooting by Rubio. He did a great job kind of navigating the final couple of minutes of this game and the wolves held on for a two point win. It was fantastic. It was great basketball, especially late, you know, chop off the first few minutes of this game. And it was a really entertaining game as well. Um, so what I want to do next is talk about key takeaways, especially related to the rotation, how it looked very different in this game. Um, and, uh, and what we can take away from this wolves victory first though, let's talk about our friends at headspace. Wouldn't it be great if there was a pocket-sized guide that helped you sleep or focus or just simply be better? There is. And if you have 10 minutes, Headspace can change your life. Headspace is your daily dose of mindfulness in the form of guided meditations in an easy-to-use app. Headspace is one of the only meditation apps advancing the field of mindfulness and meditation through clinically validated research. So whatever the situation, Headspace really can help you feel better. Overwhelmed? Headspace has a three-minute SOS meditation for you. Need help falling asleep? Headspace has wind-down sessions their members swear by. And for parents, Headspace even has morning meditations you can do with your kids. Headspace's approach to mindfulness can reduce stress, improve sleep, boost focus, and increase your overall sense of well-being. Headspace is backed by 25 published studies on its benefits, 600,000 five-star reviews, and over 60 million downloads. 60, million downloads. Headspace makes it easy for you to build a life-changing meditation practice with mindfulness that works for you on your schedule anytime, anywhere. You deserve to feel happier and Headspace is meditation made simple. Go to headspace.com slash locked on NBA. That's headspace.com slash locked on NBA for a free one month trial with access to Headspace's full library of meditations for every situation. This is the best deal offered right now. Head to headspace.com slash locked on NBA today. Let's also talk about our great friends at betonline.ag. BetOnline is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all your sports action. Football might be over, but the NBA, college basketball, and the NHL are in full swing with baseball right around the corner. BetOnline even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV, real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today. Receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit with the promo code locked on. Again, that's a 50% welcome bonus on your very first deposit with the promo code locked on. Bet online, your online sports book experts. Okay, let's talk key takeaways from Wolves Blazers on Sunday. Um, first thing is the defense was better. 
Now, the first part of the game was more bad offense than it was good defense for either team. But as the game wore on, the Wolves' defense was was much improved. Um, they they were trying to make Lillard create for others. He didn't really get involved offensively until the second half. Josh Okogie did a fantastic job guarding Damian Lillard. Um, and I mean, yeah, he had 38 points, but Okogie was in his head a little bit. He made him work. Rubio drew an offensive foul. Rubio was much better defensively in this game too when he was matched up with Dame. Um, generally speaking, the defense was better. This was game two of, of playing more of a, uh, or I guess, less drop coverage and more actually showing with the big. And so Towns was playing up. Remember the, the first part of Saturday's game, the Blazers, I mean, Ennis Kanter, scored at will early in that game. He finished this game with four points in 26 minutes on two of eight shooting. The Wolves did a much better job with backside coverage in the pick and roll and, uh, you know, from start to finish in this game. And obviously Portland still ended up with 112. They scored 40 in the fourth quarter, but they scored under 30 points in each of the first three quarters. And that's progress for this Timberwolves team. And um, very clearly, they were just much better defensively in this game, feeling more comfortable in the scheme. And it was interesting because there was no Jaden McDaniels and he's gotten a lot of credit and rightfully so for being a good shot blocker and a, a pretty good one-on-one defender and uh, using his length and athleticism to, even if he gets you know beat, if he's trailing somebody to the rim, he can block a shot. He can bother guys, make shots more difficult, cause them to alter their shots, get in passing lanes. He wasn't available. So the, those minutes were primarily going to Juancho Hernan Gomez, a little bit of Nas Reed at the four. And um, it, it worked. I mean, the Wolves were able to get enough stops. Um, Related to that, let's talk about lineups. And then, and then I want to talk a little bit about Towns offensively and what happened with his game in, in this or his, his performance in this game. Um, the Wolves did use the same starting lineup as they have over the past two games. So, um, you know, they started obviously Rubio at the point, only point guard available on the roster. They started uh, alongside him, Anthony Edwards, Jake Lehman, Vanderbilt at the four and Towns at the five. But they played long stretches of this game with Nas Reed at the four. And with Juancho Hernan Gomez at the three on Saturday, Towns and Reed barely shared the floor when they beat the Pelicans on Thursday, Nas and Towns together were fantastic this time around. Um, clearly on Saturday, the Wolves were, were nervous about having them on the floor together against a small Blazers lineup. And it made sense. I mean, it, on its face, it makes plenty of sense. However, the Wolves need their offense from their ancillary players even more than um, the Blazers are able to, you know, more so this depleted Blazers team, I guess, is the best way to say this with no CJ McCollum, no Yusuf Nurkic, uh, no Zach Collins. I mean, there just aren't that many other weapons outside of Lillard. And so to, to try and make Lillard beat you is the way to go, obviously. And the Wolves just finally decided, hey, we're going to roll our best offensive line out there, offensive lineup. We think we have enough length to clog passing lanes to make life difficult for Lillard to create, maybe block some shots, and then also secure rebounds and not allow second chance points. And it mostly worked. I mean, the Blazers had nine offensive rebounds. It's a couple more than you'd like them to have. Um, but every, you know, basically everyone named not named Damian, Damian Lillard really struggled offensively. I mean, Trent had 21 on 14 shots, but Covington had, had, uh, had 19 on seven of 13. And a lot of that was late. He had five kind of cheap points right at the end of the game. Um, and Carmelo was only six of 15. Nobody else on the team made more than two shots outside of those four guys. So the Wolves really did a good job of, of making it work with that big defensive lineup, trying to get more rebounders on the floor. And for the second straight game, both Hernan Gomez and Reed played really well. Uh, Nas was a plus seven off the bench. He was the only best bench player with a positive plus minus. That was actually the third best plus minus mark on the team. And Towns was a plus three. So together, I mean, Towns is a plus three. Nas is a plus seven. I haven't had a chance to go back and look at 
at their minutes overlap and exactly what the Wolves rate, you know, uh, what their net plus minus was in those stretches. And Nas only played 19 minutes, actually the least amount of anyone on the team who got into the game. But those minutes were really good. And Juancho was pretty good at the three too. The, the thing you're nervous about there, obviously is defensively and also his offensive game was a little bit limited, but he was fine. I mean, it worked. The, he was only a minus one um, in the plus minus column and, and the Wolves were able to make those minutes work with Juancho at the three. So for a while, and this includes the first part of the fourth quarter, the Wolves had this massive lineup on the floor with Jalen Noel as the de facto point guard, Josh Akogi at the two, Juancho at the three, Nas at the four, and Cat at the five. Akogi was playing the four half the time, uh, almost half the time, I think, when uh, when Saunders was head coach. Like literally almost half the time, Josh Kogi was at the four. He played the two for a lot of this game. And it was guarding Lillard, who's obviously, you know, the opposing team's point guard. And then as they as they subbed guys in, Edwards was at the two and Rubio was at the one. Um, and then in crunch time, Hernan Gomez stayed on the floor as the three until about the three minute mark. The Wolves were up seven and the Wolves brought in Noel to play the two and they slid Edwards and Akogi a spot. Um, so that Noel was in the backcourt with Rubio to give them more offense, more, more free throw shooters. And that was a savvy move. Um, and then Nas came back in late to, to help rebound and, um, you know, to, to come in for a Kogi and, and they kept bringing a Kogi in as somebody who could make free throws. He's like a 78% crew th- free throw shooter. Those kind of situational subs, depending on if you need free throw shooters versus rebounders versus defenders, um, really impressed with how Chris Finch has worked his, his bench and his rotation and his substitutions. And I thought it was creative. And those are things you look at the box score. And if you hadn't watched the game, you'd be like, ah, well, you know, everyone played between 19 and 40 minutes. They only played nine guys because of, they have a short bench, obviously with the suspensions and the injuries and the, and the health and safety protocols. The only guy with the DNPCD was Ed Davis. So, you know, it, it looks about right. But you'd have to really see how these how the rotation was manipulated. I mean, you look at Towns played 40 minutes. Edwards played 37. Rubio played 30 because he's the only point guard. Nobody else played more than 25. So you had five guys that all played between 19 and 25 minutes. And they're not exactly interchangeable, but they all have different strengths and different weaknesses. And, and the fact that Finch was pushing the right buttons here and there is really impressive. Um, and obviously the assistant coaches are the same. And so we, you know, we don't know the entire, the inner workings and, and, um, you know, how much of it was, how much of the rotations is strictly head coach versus recommendations from staff and whether Finch is or isn't taking recommendations that Saunders was, we don't know, but Finch is the head coach. Ryan Saunders is the previous head coach. And so far the rotations have made a lot more sense under Chris Finch than they did under Ryan Saunders. And, and that's just, that's just very clear. Um, last point in terms of key takeaways, Carl Anthony Towns offensively, we'll get into him and studs and duds here in a minute. Um, but the Blazers are the, are one the first team the Wolves have played, um, since Chris Finch took over as head coach. And we're now what, uh, seven games into his tenure, I believe, um, or eight games, maybe they're the first team that has successfully doubled him and really made him give the ball up and, and bothered him. Saturday, he was good. He made the right decisions. He only turned it over once or twice in that game. In this game, he turned it over seven times. He made he committed a couple of offensive fouls. He only had 13 points on nine shots, and he was clearly frustrated. Now, obviously, he banged up his wrist in the third quarter. We don't know if that's if there's going to be lingering effects there or not. It was his left wrist, of course. Um, two of six at the free throw line is uncharacteristic. One of four shooting threes. His one made three was a crazy step back from the left wing in the first half. Um, 
it just Towns looked a little bit off kilter in this game. And the, and the Blazers did a really good job defending him. They didn't bring a double quite every time. It was basically when he got within about 10 feet of the basket with his back to the basket, they'd bring a double. Um, and it confused Towns. You could tell sometimes he was expecting it and it didn't come. Um, he's just a little bit flustered. And I, there was one play shortly after, I think it was right after a timeout um, in the second quarter when Towns got the ball on the left block and he immediately turned and went to the basket. Um, and to me, that's what Towns has to do to, to beat these coverages, these defensive coverages that he's seen now uh, because he's getting the ball in the post more often and the Wolves don't have enough shooters around him. Towns is very deliberate offensively, especially in the post. The only time he plays fast is when he's in a hurry. It's because he's upset or he's trying to make something happen and you can just tell he's rushed. Besides that, he's very deliberate. Those are kind of the two speeds that Towns goes at. And rushed never works, basically never. Um, Deliberate can work, but it doesn't work when you're getting doubled and your teammates don't always understand cutting and spacing and they're not great shooters anyway. So there was one specific possession in this game in the first half, and I don't know who's guarding him, but he was on the left block, second quarter. He caught, he turned, I believe he spun baseline and got a, a quick bucket. It was beautiful. Um, and that's what he has to do. He has to be decisive. He has to feel where the defender is. He has to know where the double is likely going to come from, make a quick, decisive move. And, and you can do damage that way. The problem is that towns wants, wants too badly to be patient and survey the floor. And, and occasionally that'll work out. And against bad, I mean, Portland is a bad defensive team against bad defensive teams. That'll work sometimes. Um, but in this game, it didn't work. And, and the Blazers were going to bring a double almost every time and Towns just didn't move quick enough. And that's why he had 13 points and only shot the ball nine times from the field. Um, so I, I think that's something he'll learn. He hasn't, remember, he, his post-up opportunities have shrunk the past couple of years since Tibbs left. And he just hasn't been down there as much. And there's also less shooting on the team now than there was, I mean, back when Towns played in the post more, a little bit more with Tibbs, I mean, Jimmy Butler was on the team and obviously you're, you're not going to leave Jimmy Butler and he would hurt opposing teams in a similar, obviously more efficient way than what Anthony Edwards did in this game. I haven't even talked about Anthony Edwards yet. We're going to get really into what he did in studs and duds. Um, but what Edwards did was kind of the impression of what Jimmy Butler would do back in the town's Butler days. And so there's got to be that other scorer who can make teams pay, not simply shooting threes, but getting to the basket, drawing fouls, collapsing the defense further, and allowing the wolves to play off of towns and to, to be a little bit more efficient offensively. So that's, that'll come with time. Um, and Finch obviously has counters and things like that in his system to, to try and alleviate some of the, the pressure on towns when he's double teamed so frequently. Um, so I think we'll see that evolve here over the next several weeks. Um, next let's do individual studs and duds from this game, far more studs than duds once again for the Timberwolves as, as this team is just playing so much better, but I want to really talk about Anthony Edwards, um, is the, is the big story here in the final segment. First though, let's talk about our great friends at built bar. I've been talking about Built Bar now for over a year, and it is just as delicious and actually more delicious than it was when we started talking about them. It's the best tasting protein bar on the market, and it has been for a long time. They are low calorie, low sugar, high protein, and high fiber, amazing tasting protein bars. They taste exactly like a candy bar, 100% chocolate on all bars. Right now, we're in the middle of Built Bar madness. We're going to find out what the top Built Bar is according to you, the fans of Built Bar. Today's matchup in Built Bar Madness is peanut butter brownie versus coconut almond. 
I have been against peanut butter brownies since the beginning because I am allergic to peanut butter. So of course I'm going to vote for chocolate almond, but also chocolate almond is one of my top three or four favorite flavors as well. So go vote for chocolate almond or excuse me, coconut almond. Um, and they will go up against cookies and cream in the enticing eight cookies and cream just beat churro puff in the second round. So this is to go from the sweetest 16 to the enticing eight. Be sure to check out the bracket over at builtbar.com or bar underscore built on Twitter. That's at bar underscore built on Twitter. Remember to use the promo code when you order the promo code locked 15 to get 15% off your next order. That's locked 15 to get 15% off your next order at builtbar.com. And then be sure to check back to see who won today's matchup and who will become the best tasting protein bar. Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Suggs. How much do you really know about these potential NBA stars of tomorrow? If you want to know more, you need to subscribe to the Lockdown NBA Draft Podcast, Prospect Scouting Reports, Draft Rumors, Mock Drafts, and full coverage of March Madness four days a week from credentialed draft experts. Subscribe today and follow Lockdown NBA Draft. Okay, um, studs and duds, individual studs and duds from this game. Again, fairly easy for this one. Um, we'll start with the duds this time around. And and this is actually pretty tough because his line's not terrible. We have to go with Carl Anthony Towns in this game. He had 13 points, eight rebounds, eight assists. 13 points on nine shots is not what you want from Towns. And again, not entirely his fault. I spent a while last segment talking about this. He did have seven turnovers, committed four fouls, and, and could have had a fifth. There did have a fifth that was overturned to that offensive foul on Robert Covington. He was a plus for three and 40 minutes. It obviously was a huge part. You know, without Towns, there's not the space to operate for Anthony Edwards. But individually, he clearly got really frustrated with the officials in this game. And, and it was a little bit like old cat, but we saw a lot of early last season and late the season before uh, where Towns was just kind of, you know, it was in his head a little bit that the refs were, were, um, you know, not making enough foul calls that they should have. And they certainly, you know, the officiating was not great in this game, to be clear. Towns had a legitimate gripe most of the time. But then when he got to the free throw line, he was two of six there. Um, and if we find out later that his wrist is, you know, hopefully, hopefully it's not the case, but you know, if some, his wrist was bothering him or, or whatever that might be, you know, then that makes some sense. But still, uh, you can't have seven turnovers. You can't almost have your fifth foul in that situation at that, that time of the game, go two of six from the line, only attempt four threes. So Towns gets a dud award, quote unquote award for this game. Um, another one for me, if I had to pick one, um, this is this is tough. I'm going to have to split Juancho Hernan Gomez, who was 0 of 4 outside the arc. He was 2 of 6 shooting, so he was 2 of 2 inside the arc. Did have a nice and one opportunity that he converted, but he missed all four of his three-point attempts, which is supposed to be his calling card. And then Nas Reed actually played pretty well, but he was 0 of 4 at the free-throw line. And uh, I mean, in the first half, that was the reason why the Wolves were down at halftime. Um, so we're going to give each of them a half dud, but again, Nas played well. This this segment was a lot easier when the Wolves were actually were. It's a lot easier when the Wolves lose because there's always a couple three guys that really just have terrible games. It seems like, but now I, really the whole team played fairly well, all things considered. And so it's it's a little bit harder to to parse the the good from the bad individually. Um, you know, immediately following the game. Um, in terms of studs for this game, number one is Anthony Edwards, and I want to spend most of the time this segment wrapping up the show, talking about Anthony Edwards. He was phenomenal. Um, he had the poster dunk over Robert Covington that I'm sure you've seen by now. And, and I probably 
honestly, like I did when he had the poster dunk, and you know what I'm talking about a couple weeks ago, probably should open the show talking about this dunk too. It wasn't quite as majestic, but it was in a bigger spot in the game, and the whole play itself was impressive. He split the defenders. The Wolves were running a horn set at the top, and Edwards curled between the defenders and launched from just outside the uh, the the half circle, the not the restricted area, but the dotted line right from about there, um, and dunked over Robert Covington, a really good defender. And it was in a big spot in the game. The Wolves were trying to add on to their lead. And then shortly thereafter, and this was also after he'd had the, the injury scare as well. Shortly thereafter, he knocks down a three because Carmelo Anthony decides not to get out and guard him and, and dare him to shoot a three, which is clearly part of Portland's game plan. It's understandable. He's been roughly 30% this year leading into this game. But Edwards hits the three. Next time down for the Wolves, Melo gets down in a stance and tries to guard him on the perimeter. And Edwards just knocks down another three with Carmelo on him. And from that point forward, I mean, Edwards wasn't quite as efficient as the game closed out, but he had a couple of clutch free throws in the fourth quarter, was fouled and made, made both free throws, 4-4 from the line on the game, shot 50% from the field for the game, 12-24, of 6-14 outside the arc. I, you know, at this stage, you don't want Anthony Edwards shooting 14 threes in a game. So he shot 10 twos and 14 threes and only attempted four free throws. There weren't a ton of mid-range jumpers from him in this game. It was a lot of getting to the rim and then shooting threes. And so he was six of 12 inside the arc, six of 14 outside of it. He did only have four rebounds in, in 37 minutes, two assists, two turnovers and one steal, but he was really good. Um, I should also note that the 34 points were easily a career high for him as were the six made threes. And um, clearly he's just, he has these games where he has this next level confidence and also is mostly making the right decisions. The first quarter or so, the shot selection wasn't great, which is a lot of what we saw early in the game on Saturday as well for Ant. But as the game wore on, Edwards got better. And if the Wolves can have this, this wing who can attack, this guard who can attack consistently, knock down threes at a, at a league average or better rate. So when the ball swings to Edwards, he can knock down a three or he he can have a, a legitimate pump fake that defenses have to respect, get into the paint and make something happen, score through guys, finally get some foul calls. The Wolves offense is going to be extremely dynamic. And then, you know, add Malik Beasley back and D'Angelo Russell, and you've got two more above average three-point shooters. And Edwards is your slasher. Edwards is your guy who can get the ball and drive. He can play in isolation. He can get you a bucket when you need it. But you play through Towns, and Edwards is Edwards is kind of that guy who can do a little bit of everything. He can play in the post a little himself. Um, we've seen him do that against smaller players. Whereas, and then Beasley's your cutter and your shooter. Russell's your shooter and secondary creator. Um, and that's what this team, this offense, can look like with Chris Finch's head coach is going to be extremely dynamic. And as long as Edwards doesn't fall in love with simply shooting the three, um, as long as he continues to attack and have that balance, this offense is going to be awesome. Um, and it's going to be a lot of fun to watch. It already is, at least has been the past few games. Um, another stud in this game for the Timberwolves is Jared Vanderbilt. 12 points, nine rebounds in only 22 minutes. He also had three blocks and two steals. He was an absolute terror early in this game. Five of five from the field. Didn't miss a field goal. Two of three at the free throw line. Missed a, the uh, an and one opportunity. Missed the free throw. But otherwise was perfect. Plus 11, a team high plus 11 in 22 minutes, did everything the Wolves asked of him, was awesome defensively with the three blocks and two steals, and um, just a really good game from Vando, and he's kind of been the guy who's the the starter who plays 18, 20-ish minutes or so, less than that even on Saturday, and then doesn't play as much late, but great game from Vando. Um, this was 
the fully realized version of Jared Vanderbilt, I think. Um, and that's a, I mean, he's a rotation player on a good team. If he plays like this on a nightly basis and consistency, of course, has been the issue with him, but great game from Vanderbilt. And then lastly, Jalen Noel, another second consecutive outstanding game from Noel, 14 points, four of nine shooting, four of eight on three point attempts. So he only attempted one non-three in this game. He did make both free throws. He tried four rebounds, two assists, and a steal, um, which will play. And 25 minutes off the bench, led the team in bench minutes, was actually fourth on the entire team in minutes overall, uh, 14 points on nine shots, four rebounds, two assists, and a steal in 25 minutes. Really, really good. I do. I still think that he's going to be a six-man type player in this league and is another probably rotation player on a good team. Uh, you know, Maybe not quite yet, but I think that's what he his maybe not likely, but I think that's maybe a better case outcome for him. Um, and, and he, they, the Wolves needed him in this game. The Blazers bench with Mello mostly outperformed the Wolves bench scoring wise early in the game. Um, and, and on Saturday and they needed Noel to step up and he did just that. So great game for Jalen Noel and great game for the Wolves overall a two point win. Um, and now they're two and one after the all-star break, they've played several, uh, or, or the, all three of these games, they've played extremely well, uh, for the most part. And things are about to get really tough for the wolves. And I know I said that after they beat the Pelicans on Thursday and now they're one and one since then next up, we have a three game road trip at the LA Lakers on Tuesday. And then Thursday, Friday, back to back on the road at Phoenix, two games in a row before getting the weekend off and coming back home for a, uh, I don't know, a, a homestand where they could certainly end up with a two and two, three and one record, Oklahoma city, Dallas, and then Houston twice. And uh, the trade deadlines in there as well, as well as the tail end of that homestand. We're looking at the return of Malik Beasley. Surely by that point, the return of D'Angelo Russell. So I don't know, you pick up a game, maybe two over the next few here on the road. And you're starting to feel pretty good about the second half of the season for the wolves, at least in terms of progress and the first part of Chris Finch's tenure as Timberwolves head coach. All right, that's all we have for you on the show here today. Thanks once again for listening to Locked On Wolves, of course, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. And uh, we'll be back uh, with a Tuesday show, previewing Tuesday night's game, Wolves-Lakers, talking trade deadline, all the rumors that came out over the past couple of days related to the Wolves. Um, And that will be Tuesday's show. So be sure if you're not already subscribed that you subscribe on iTunes, um, Stitcher, Spotify, Google. And if you're a fan, please help us out by positively reviewing us, perhaps a five-star review if you're so inclined on iTunes. Definitely helps us get in front of more folks' eyes and ears. And then you can also follow on Twitter at LockedOnTWolves and at BBeacon, that's BBeacon, two Bs, two Es, C-K-E-N. A reminder that today's episode of Locked On Wolves was brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Thanks once again for listening to the show. We'll be back on Tuesday. Enjoy your Monday. Once again, I'm Ben Beacon. This is the Locked on Wolves podcast, and we'll catch you next time.